you said that you weren't going to change a thing when you trained me. Yeah. You got to step in the ring with the first generation Mysterio. Yeah. I want to be able to tell my children that I was a partner with their grandfather, my father, the great Ray Mysterio. Don't do this. Stay in WWE. Don't retire. I'm gonna make you proud. I'll do it for you. Cause I love you, son. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, in the house. In the house, literally, yes. How are you? Doing very well, yes. Uh, as many people know, my computer continues to be in the shop, so I am at John Pollock's place at a bright and early 11.23 p.m. Yes. Well, uh, is there any latest on your uh, your laptop? Wednesday no. is the expected time of recovery? It is the expected time. I brought it in about a week ago. They estimated about a week. So I guess this week's Cafe Hangout is still somewhat in limbo. But hopefully um, Apple comes through. Hopefully okay. the geniuses are um, really smart. We'll find out. We will find out this week. But uh, but but no pressure. Your Your laptop, you put it through a lot. Give it a week off to recover. And yeah. come back stronger. That's right. How, how was your weekend? Uh, it was, it was pretty good. I was, uh, I was away this weekend, but I was, uh, so connected to everything. And did you see any of the UFC on Saturday night? I did not. What a great show. Yeah. Sounds awesome like show. It. Uh, the main card in particular, I'd highly recommend. That was, uh, that was really great. Uh, rest of my weekend was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good weekend. I did a lot of reading, actually. Yeah. What'd you read? Uh, I, when we were at O'Grady's last week, Dan Lavransky brought me this book of the uh, the journalist uh, Jim Acosta from CNN, who's written a book recently. Uh, this thing is like 350 pages or so, and I'm I'm like almost three quarters of the way into this thing. I just uh, read this thing nonstop all weekend. Cool. So that's what I've been reading about the a reporter covering the White House for the last. Uh, well, he's been covering it for a long time, but specifically about the uh, the Trump era. And it's been, uh, it's been difficult. That's the, the summation so far. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. But fascinating stuff to read about. How about your weekend? Um, that was nice. It was good. Again, sorry. Every time you ask, I feel so unprepared. Oh, well, you don't um, have to. Make I don't notes even about recall. Your weekend. I don't even remember. I'll tell you what most of my weekend was. It was following this NXT USA network story. Yes. I have spoken to so many people. It's, uh, that that was a huge part of my weekend. Actually, it was just uh, talking to all these people. Uh, do we want to get into this now, or should we uh, we yes. wait till the news? I think this is the biggest news. So. Well, let's let's uh, talk about this. Um, we did have it up on the site today. An announcement uh, is imminent, which uh, we had stated. Um, you thought it was supposed to be tonight. It it, it uh, believe me, I many people expected it to be Monday night. Uh, there were people there in the company that were ex- expecting it tonight. Uh, it was not made. I don't know why it wasn't. Um, I didn't have it uh, confirmed it would be happening on on Raw, but it was, uh, and there were, therefore, 
I said imminently. I don't know if we'll wake up on Tuesday. There's a press release. If they'll announce it later on this week. I cannot imagine they're going to be able to keep this quiet for much longer. I would have to assume. And this is like everything is getting in place. But it is if anyone is doubting, this is 100% happening. Uh, two hours, Wednesday nights on USA Network. NXT is moving. And the date. Um, that I was able to confirm today was September the 18th is when it will start. So there's a lot there, Way. Where oh, do you yeah. want to start? Well, I mean... How about just this move in general? We know what, why it's being done, going head-to-head with All Elite Wrestling, but specific to what NXT is, I mean, there's really no more, this is the main roster, this is NXT. It's This is all the main roster. This is two hours of primetime mm-hmm. television on the USA Network, and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's huge. I think it changes the the structure of of uh, whatever the performance center is, is supposed to be. Whatever NXT is supposed to be, obviously, drastically, it changes what the network is. Uh, changes WWE's relationship with USA. Uh, continuing to have two properties now on that channel. Um, it means that you know the idea of somebody getting called up is not necessarily a thing anymore. The entire roster is, you know, pretty much getting called up right now. I suppose they, we will see what type of distinction they continue to make between people that are on NXT TV and people that are perhaps still uh, in the midst of that training center. But I think I'm, I'm very curious to know, uh, how are contracts changing? Uh, typically with the move up to the main roster on full-time television comes with a bump. Um, does that occur for uh, the the majority of, of talents that are down there? Somebody like a Velveteen Dream. Um, you know, are talents like that going to stay essentially in NXT for the rest of their careers now? Johnny Gargano, you know? Yeah, I think that this this move, I would say after TakeOver, I was really left with the the belief that this is kind of all as far as you can go with Johnny Gargano would make sense that he goes to the main roster. I think that totally changes now based off the tapings last week. It, it would seem to indicate he is sticking around at least for at least one more program, but very well could just be earmarked now for NXT. It's a much bigger priority. Now it, it changes what the show is because now this is a weapon for them to go against AEW. This is their, their chosen weapon that they are putting up against AEW. And it's going to be very much graded upon its performance every week. It's not going to be something where we tape four weeks in advance and we are, we have to stay stringent with our, our long-term planning because we have to book four weeks of television at a time. Now, if there's a bad number, you can have that reactionary, um, it, that reaction the next week and do something drastic. I would not be surprised if we start st- seeing, uh, raw or SmackDown talent starting to show up and what ultimately becomes of having a developmental league, which you're still going to need. You still have talent that needs to be kind of groomed for bigger positions. And I don't know if being thrown onto us, the USA network is that answer. So that that's another one. Yeah, I I would I would predict that NXT no longer necessarily becomes a per- developmental league. I think it takeovers. I think for takeovers really have not for quite been, a while. They haven't been developmental. I mean, they've really kind of been you know your super indie pay per view. And I think NXT will continue to you know shine a light on that level of talent. Meanwhile, you know, I think your your talent that really is coming up from from the ground up will probably find their developmental. I guess you know reps either off TV or at a place like Evolve. Um, who do you think will be in charge of the show? 
I think that at the start, um, you know, it was, it was brought up to me that from Tuesday to Thursday, Vince McMahon does need to be in Stanford for the creative meetings. So it's even if, let's say even if it is Paul starting running the show and it's NXT as is, we know that can change at the drop of a hat that mm-hmm. Vince McMahon can insert himself. But logistically, that's going to be much tougher now. I mean, if... Uh, with the XFL as well. With the XFL coming up. And I have to look at it that, like, what has Hunter been groomed for for the last seven years? If, like, this is sink or swim time. Like, what have you been grooming if not to put him in a position now to ultimately lead the troops to battle? So, I mean, to me, I think that Paul running this makes the most logical sense. Mm -hmm. And second, if it wasn't Paul... What is Paul doing? Honestly, it would be a slam dunk answer, I think, you know, um, in any company other than the WWE. But knowing, I think, how much control Vince McMahon likes to have over his properties, especially his properties, in this case, going up against competition. Yes. Um, That's you, why no matter what, you have to believe that, like, Vince McMahon, no matter what is is said, that he is, you know, he can snap his fingers and tomorrow he's on top of this. So mm. I, I – I think that everyone understands what that situation is. But I think going into this, I, I think that it should be Paul's show. Oh, I think everybody feels that way. But um, uh, even if Hunter is in control of the show, maintains con- uh, control of, of NXT, do you see many changes coming to the way the, the, the show is presented, how they tell stories? I mean, beyond what you lined out, you know, with doing shows potentially live and not pre-taping. Uh, what what other changes do you see? Well, I think they're just going to be much more reactionary because this is a show that largely it is, you know, many people enjoy NXT, but it is not held to the scrutiny of hitting certain viewership numbers. It's not going head to head with anyone. Now you have a, now you have a scorecard every Thursday afternoon yep. that they are going to be graded against. And, and if the they most, are, and the most important one, because you're going up against competition. Yes. Um, I, I think the most important number this fall is ultimately the the SmackDown number on Fox. But I think for them, it's going to be Thursday afternoons. That is the competition, and they have to beat AEW. Another question is, do you see this potentially maybe driving more attention to both AEW and NXT? Just the concept of there being another Wednesday Night Wars at this time. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, everyone thought, okay, September 18th, they want to get the jump on AEW. You think about that. It's like, okay, I understand their mentality. But I think that there is going to be curiosity, but you largely know what to expect with NXT. I will say by week three of NXT on USA, I think you've, you're you going to know what this show is. Mm-hmm. And I think they have handed over all of the curiosity for October 2nd to AEW. That said, though, I definitely wouldn't put past them to promote something big for that October 2nd 100% show. they will. But yeah. I can only watch one show at a time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to look at the product that is launching their very first show on cable television for the first time. Mm-hmm. Versus NXT that I know what they're promoting. It might be something big. But I want to watch the new pro- product live. I assume the thinking for from WWE's part is that you know they want you to be so excited for whatever they have planned for that October 2nd NXT that you don't even think about what might be on TNT. Um, there's still probably a large section of the audience 
I don't know how much of that audience is at, uh, NXT viewers. Like, if you're already watching NXT on the network, you definitely know about AEW. But for the, the, the Raw and SmackDown fan who only typically watches main roster stuff, who might not have even seen NXT before, they might not be aware that TNT is going to have wrestling on Wednesday nights. And maybe that's the audience that they're trying to acquire. Well, from that's them. their hope. And this being on the USA Network, I mean, this is an, an enormous amount of homes that they're in. That the, the goal will be get the two-week jump and carve out our audience. But I, I think the audience that you're drawing from, I mean, this has been a problem for WWE is creating new wrestling fans. I think what they're banking on is existing Raw and SmackDown viewers tuning into this that I would – Imagine there's a high concentration of that. No, AEW isn't just launching on some some periphery network that you have to find. This isn't on Showtime where I have to go order Showtime yeah. and find it. It's on TNT. There's going to be enormous promotion from TNT for this show. And I would think the audience that NXT is going to grab off the jump, there's going to be a high percentage of it that is aware of AEW. And I just think that come October 2nd, that's going to be the show because that's going to be the show with the most curiosity, for sure. e- even though NXT 100%, they need to build something up huge for that night to go yeah. against them. I don't think you can. Like, I, I I do feel certainly on that first episode, most people are going to be tuning into to AEW. But um, let's say two months into this whole thing, you know, this three months in, four months in, half a year, one year in, ultimately, we have to see how that pans out. And ultimately, that's really what matters. Yeah, well, for... I mean, the fact that it's on the USA Network, um, they certainly want NXT to hit a certain number. They don't want this to drag down their primetime average. So it, mm-hmm. it's a high bar that people are going to be expecting. Um, the yeah. question is, like, what is their expectation, expectation level? Are they hoping for a million or so viewers that Miz and Mrs. pulls? Or are they expecting this to replace the outgoing SmackDown? And well, this needs wh- to do two million viewers. What is it replacing on a Wednesday? Like, I mean... Do we know that whatever it's replacing is doing that great? Uh, I, I don't even know what uh, what's currently in that slot. Right. We should actually uh, look at that. But yeah, it's – I mean ultimately it's it's still the issue that this is pro wrestling. So whatever it is replacing, you still have – you know, it, let, let's say whatever, whatever's in that slot is doing 700,000 viewers and NXT does 700,000 viewers. It's probably not pulling in the same ad rates that a regular series is pulling. In the event that NXT loses to AEW weekly, uh, and this continues for some time, what ramifications do you think that presents? I think they'll throw every day. This is not going to be a situation like Impact Wrestling where they got slaughtered on Mondays and they just moved back to Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way I can see WWE doing that. Um, would USA Network do that? I would be skeptical that they would uh, do that either. Um, this is this is a fight that WWE does not want to lose, I also, and I think I also they they will change the show before they throw in the towel. They will put in they will put every trick in the bag onto that show if they have to. I also don't know if I predict a slaughter. You know, I would say there's a huge cross section between your AEW audience and your NXT audience. I don't think so either. Yeah, and I think. Well, I guess the question is who's going to be watching live and who's going to be watching on tape delay. Eight or, till ten or, right know. now, by the way, is uh, Law and Order SVU followed by Suits. Those things like does those things do well, right? Do they? I don't uh, know. Do you want to see? Like, okay, well, so basically, can they're in reruns right now? Can so NXT what, beat a rerun of Law and Order SVU in Suits? 
I'm going to pull up uh, last <laughs> week's number, and we're going to see. Th- these are all reruns, so it's kind of um, not isn't exactly Law and a Order fair SVU comparison. Permanently on rerun, like isn't that sh- series? Okay. Well, please. I don't know what their fall don't schedule tweet. is uh, is consisting okay, of, but whatever. if we if we look at last, I'm just curious, like how bar the high is. For okay, so last week Suits at nine o'clock did nine hundred fifty five thousand viewers, yeah. and uh. And whatever was on from eight till nine didn't even uh, get ranked here in the hmm. uh, in, in the top two hundred programs. All right, so top one fifty. Uh, so nine hundred fifty five thousand viewers. Episode one of NXT higher or lower than that? Oh man, that's so interesting because you're talking about Wednesday, which people aren't used to watching TV uh, wrestling TV on. Uh, I imagine on that episode of Raw, they're going to push it really, really hard. Um, does it do more than 900? Ah, man. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I think there's a lot of curiosity from wrestling fans. And I'm including AEW fans, people who are lapsed WWE fans, who might tune into this first edition of NXT if it's a big deal. I'm going to say lower. I don't think by a lot, but I th- I'll just say lower. Sure. Um, as we say. That. Now, that, that depends on what they do those weeks. I think they they need to do something big yeah. to send people to that show. Um and, and we'll see. But again, do you think it was a mistake not to announce it tonight and just announce it with as much well, in front of? We're a month away, you know. Like, I, I what, think. What, how about this? Why, why not announce it tonight? Because I think you want to build it with enough steam, like so that you know, like you're building to a pay per view, so that it, the, the the hype peaks at a certain time. I mean, we've seen AEW basically, you know, announce things way in advance and it really not affecting the level of hype. By the time it got to it, maybe it's a fallacy that, you know, hype dies down, but maybe they want to properly create a rollout. You know, that's maybe my thinking, uh, or maybe the show was already written and they, they wanted to do something bigger for it. I'm not sure. So privately, I mean, like Monday was the day that was being saying like, this is when the announcement was coming. Yeah. So it's not as though they have some elaborate plan and it did not include this day. Like okay. this was the day. That the news was to come out. I don't know if it was going to be on Raw. I don't know if it was going to be a press release. But Monday was the day that it was going to happen. So hmm. I don't have an answer for anybody as to why it didn't happen today. And I would say if we wake up on Tuesday or Wednesday and it's a press release, I, I would definitely question why. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Ultimately, the it doesn't nu- matter. The news is already out, honestly. Like, well, the, the audience is already To a degree. But it's like you have you have two and a half million captive people watching your biggest show that would be where i would have rolled it out with the most buzz and it it's not like they can't do it next week i i I think that over the next week it's yeah you could it's like ultimately it doesn't matter but uh maybe there was some giant reason why it it didn't come out maybe so uh this this is going to be a huge story to follow uh how much it changed just think about the logistics of braden and davy's schedules that's Braden Davies' schedules. I understand <laughs> Davy might be adjusting certain hours uh, just to accommodate this. Just doubled. Um, think about just the amount of times. Now, I, I don't know for sh- for certain if it's going to be live every week. Um, that's that's been thrown out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be live every week, live every other week. But regardless, what, what about the, full sale. Full sale is where I understand it's going to be starting. I have not okay. heard of anything of like going on the road, although that could be an option. Because running full sale, especially if it's weekly, mm-hmm. 
that's going to be tough. Well, booking booking venues uh, on such short notice must be incredibly difficult. So, so to even if they do have to get the jump on AEW to uh, to at least start at full sale, I think makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, full sale does have things that ha- like I had been told in the past, like booking. Remember when we were talking about two hundred five live and the idea that this would be so much better in two hundred five live, and I remember being told that. It's not as easy as people think to just book. So full would, sa- 205 Live would be better at full sale. Yeah, that's yeah. sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, 205 Live, it would just have such a better setting if they did the tapings at full sale and then aired them every week. Yeah. Do a bulk, and it was full sale can get booked up, and it's like they can't just just like that get full sale all the time. Obviously, they have the money; they can they can do what they want. But it's it's not as though this is just um, they just snap their fingers and right. boom, full sales at their fingertips to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, what how often are you going to attract people to go to full sale? It's not the biggest venue in the world. And now it's a much more important show, but it's, I see it as a temporary thing. You know, maybe it's, it's still home base for, for special events or something like that. But I definitely, I mean, if their plan is to compete with AEW as a full fledged brand, two hours every single week on USA, they're eventually definitely going to get out of there. Yeah. So there, there's many questions that are attached with this and, yeah, the travel is going to increase. I mean, if you, if you were going weekly, I mean, think of that for a guy just throwing out a name and it's, you know, just one of many, but mm-hmm. a Nigel McGuinness, uh, doing the SmackDown tapings Tuesday for 205 Live. Does that mean does one and then has to go do Wednesdays? Mm-hmm. Does he leave Tuesdays? I mean, these are questions. There's probably dozens of yeah. scenarios that we can throw out that are going to be, uh, difficult. Uh, the crews that are running this, it's, yeah, it's extra TV. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday live TV. Potentially. And, yeah. Wow. Then you have your pay per view weeks, and yeah. This, yeah. It's going to be a I'm, crazy, crazy fall. I'm really excited. You know, I was already pretty excited for the launch of AEW, but this definitely makes things way more interesting. Um, especially because, like, both are, are like, NXT, at least to this point, has been certainly more, you know, adult oriented than, say, the main roster. So if it maintains that, we're really getting to see more of an adult oriented wrestling war between two promotions. So I'm really excited. Yeah. So anyway, I might be checking my phone throughout this. But anyway. Well, you got some, you might. Well, if I, if, if I hear anything, I will oh, absolutely uh, okay. let you know. But it's, uh, there's, there's much going on. So, um, Anyway, any, uh, okay, you know what? Let's do the plugs right now and then we'll, we'll get to the rest of the news. How about that? Sure. Uh, so coming up this week on the site, we've got Rewind to SmackDown. We are going to announce everything on this show because we have the most people listening here and that's the way we're going to promote everything else that <laughs> sure. is coming up this week. So we've got Rewind to SmackDown coming out on Tuesday. You fill in any gaps I missed, because I'm doing this off the top of my head, okay? All right. Uh, this is like a quiz. Yeah. I it can kind see of is. it on my schedule. Okay. Way's yeah. got the master list, and I'm going to try and do this all. Wednesday, it's the return of the British wrestling experience with Martin Bushby, Benno, and Jamesy. They're going to be chatting the recent Toronto shows that Progress ran. Yeah. One of which I attended, the Progress versus Smash show. So oh, yes. I'm intrigued to hear their review of uh, Progress coming over here to Toronto. Uh, as well, they'll be chatting about uh, all the latest going on. Um, that crazy weekend that they have where uh, Rev Pro has a show. It's Royal Quest and the NXT UK TakeOver. So mm-hmm. that And that's the weekend of All Out. So that is going to be an insane weekend, which we are going to have lots of coverage of with the uh, the BWE crew with us. Let's keep it to the BWE crew, because on Friday, I understand James has a bonus episode. Yes. So 
Recently, Alan Cunahan, Alan Farrell at uh, PW Torch wrote an article for Fighting Spirit Magazine, their last issue, ranking the top 50 UK matches of all time. And Jamesy wanted to chat about this with uh, with Alan. And I guess they were planning to do about a half hour. And this turned into a two hour discussion, which I cannot wait to listen to. Which, um, yeah, William uh, Regal weighed w- in. William on. Regal had something to, to, to talk to Alan Farrell about. So um, I, 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 I mean, what a daunting task to talk to name the top 50 like matches of all time from a specific like region listen whenever you're whenever you're going with a list you are inviting oh yeah uh debate and and disagreement that comes with the territory yes but there's if you were to task me with finding someone to rank the top 50 matches in in uk who follows has followed multiple generations and is on top of the current scene as anyone alan cunahan is probably my top draft pick so i think that discussion is going to be awesome if you miss cruel summer with alan and wh they did a fantastic edition of cruel summer i believe they did the 2007 uh g1 final but that'll be a great discussion that's going to come out on friday with jamesy and alan on the british wrestling experiences feed so do subscribe to those guys uh just simply look up british wrestling experience on any of your podcast apps wednesday night it's the return of the double shot. The double shot. The double shot. This week we are reviewing. Is it going to be the first two episodes of Glow? Correct. All right. That is. We're going to start our review of Glow. We are going to at. We're going to power through them all at some point, but we're going at our leisure. So, first two episodes of Glow. I think. I think the audience wants to kind of take their time with it too. I think obviously it's a very binge worthy show, but we're going to take our time talking about every single episode, and we're going to start with the first two episodes of season three, starting on. This week's double shot, which is on our Patreon feed. Yes. So patrons, you can look forward to that late Wednesday night and maybe whatever else we happen to see. It's a return of the double shot. Um, for now, it's back. For now, I don't know how long it'll last. This might be, uh, this might be a curtain call for the, yeah, for it the might double be the final shot. countdown of the double shot. Yeah. We will find out. Thursday, we have got. Up next with Braden Harrington and Davey God. Portman. God. I wonder what they'll have to talk about this week. <laughs> Anything? Might be a very quiet show. You know, I'm more interested in how this will affect their personal lives. Yeah, that's what we want to know. Uh, but yeah, uh, last week's episode, they talked all about their, the up next, uh, tailgate party, which was a tremendous success. Uh, I only, Im- I imagine this news of NXT itself getting a call up to the main roster on USA Network will only mean great things for these two. So we've also got on, well, where we are. We we have not announced any cafe hangout. Tentatively, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To be to be determined. I really think we should make a decision if like if there is breaking news. I think we will we'll record something. We'll do something on Thursday, sure. but uh, we'll see. Uh, Friday, it is the return of the MCU review. Tons of returns here at the cafe now that the G one is over. Uh, this week we are reviewing Doctor Strange from 2016, a movie that I watched on Sunday night. Oh, wonderful! Yes, uh, yes, Doctor Strange, which is our second. Phase three review. Our first uh, phase three review, of course, was Captain America Civil War, which is already on that feed. But uh, we continue now with the very best phase of all of them. Yes. Uh, so I started Doctor Strange and I watched the first hour with my wife and then she was going to bed. So I watched the rest of it. Had You hadn't seen it before. I've never seen Doctor Strange. First time viewer. And then I finished it downstairs on my laptop. And afterwards, when she was asking me if I finished it, I said, I did. Uh, for you, I watched the movie on its normal speed. She's like, how did you watch the rest of it? I said, 
1.25 and she shook her head. She thinks it's the weirdest thing in the world I that I'll watch a movie at an increased speed. I think it's pretty weird too, not going to lie. Especially if it's a movie that I personally enjoyed. Like I I I if I watch something at like or listen to something at like 1.x speed, it's cuz I'm trying to cram it. It's it's cuz I I feel like I need to do this, not because I enjoy doing it. But maybe that's how you feel about these movies that you just you need to cram them. It's listen, listen. What these you, are long movies and they're only getting longer. I've looked at Guardians two, like dude, two fifteen. Like it's just when the option see, to watch see, this in like seventy five percent of the time is there. I'm taking. It. I don't disagree with you, but like I I I do this with with things that are considered maybe more like informative. You know, like a YouTube video on on how to like bake a pie. I'll watch that on like two times the speed because people can talk really slow or listening to this podcast. I'm sure people are listening to two times the speed right now because I talk very slow. But if it's a piece of art, John, like if it's like an album, like a beautiful album, would you listen to that at two times the speed just to get through it? Uh, no, an album is different. Um, this is movies are like albums. Well, yeah, I can understand that. I'm just I, I'm addicted to it now. Like podcasts it's like going to me it to me it's like going to like a really michelin fancy michelin star restaurant and plowing through the meal as fast as you can because you just have to do something else i still enjoy these though at the speed like it's not so much that it's uh it's it's hampering my enjoyment of it i just i guess i don't know if it's the artist's original intent if it's the director's intent but you do whatever you want guess what when i when i spent five dollars to rent this thing on youtube i became the decision maker (laughs) on how i'm going to watch your art that's fine that's fair um so that's coming out on friday dr strange which maybe that's going to be my nickname for everyone out there when they find out how i watch movies uh that's on the patreon feed as well. that's on the patreon feed as well so folks support us so you can get all this great stuff uh that's the same day alan and james you'll have their chat then we go to saturday wild weekend here at the post office we have two new editions of cruel summer the cruel summer is winding down this is the penultimate weekend before labor day weekend when the summer is over it's it's almost four episodes left the final four only a few more weeks to get in that bikini and listen to cruel summer with wh park well um this weekend the uh, bikini wearers will be wh park and mike murray on saturday they are going to be chatting the 2015 final between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shinsuke Nakamura, yeah. and then joining him on the beach uh, with, with one of the uh, umbrellas. Or more appropriately, is it is it the park? The WH park that's about to close. Very good. Uh, Jojo Remy will join him to review the 2016 final between Hiroki Goto and Kenny Omega. Yeah. Plus, 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 plus... We've got two Evolve shows coming up this weekend, and that means two Evolve post-shows. Saturday night, it's going to be Davey Portman and his guest co-host, Wei Ting, reviewing Evolve 133, featuring uh, Matt Riddle's going to be on the show. Uh, it's uh, Austin Theory, who was just announced as the part of the latest class at the Performance Center. And then on Sunday, we're going to have Davey Portman with Jason Solomon, who's a... Uh, Great, great broadcaster. Mm-hmm. He is going to be joining Davey to review Evolve 134. From Solomon Sounds Off. Yes. So that is going to be coming up this Sunday. Are you looking forward to watching Evolve? I am, actually. Um, I 
I really am quite unfamiliar with with the the roster, other than what I saw from their last uh, WWE Network show. So it'll be a really new experience for me. It'll be a bit of an introduction for me to to an evolved show proper on WWN Live. And these shows will be coming out on the Up Next feed. Yes. So simply look up Up Next UPNXT on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get all this stuff. Yeah. Or you can go to postwrestling.com slash subscribe to get everything. Links to all that. And uh WWE is sending Matt Riddle to both shows. Uh, Kushida's working Drew Gulak on the Sunday. And you'll also get to hear Lenny Leonard, who is one of my favorite uh, commentators, who's probably doing these shows solo. So, excellent. Should be fun. Um, these are not on the WWE Network, though. No, they're not. They're on WWN Live. I think they should have put at least one of them on the WWE Network. <sighs> I imagine they, like, as a teaser before the, the tier system, you mean? Yeah. Maybe. I think you yeah, should keep that right. going. I think the last one was very well received. Mm-hmm. And I think that now when they do, they run usually one weekend a, w- a month and mm-hmm. they do two shows. And I think for the time being, they should air one of the shows and then the other one you can still get on Club WWN. But this one, you have to go to both of them for it. But mm-hmm. I think it only helps the WWE network and keep your audience up to date on where all these guys are going. So when you yeah. do fully introduce it, people are not lost on who all these people are. I guess just knowing what's going on right now, they probably have so many things that they, I know they need to get ready to promote that they probably just don't even, this is probably not even on the radar. Uh, probably not, but you know, had a lot of a uh, buzz coming out of the last show. So that is all what you can check out postwrestling.com. And we'll quickly go through just a few other news items uh, going over to the world of AEW. They announced their, uh, locations for week number four and five of TNT. What do you think so far? Now we're at week four and five. Yep. I think they're still doing a good job of rolling out these announcements. Yeah. Be- the goal is to make every each one of them feel special and drive demand for the tickets. And I'd say after five of these announcements, I think they've done a pretty good job of this. I I would say they've they've done really well with pretty much everything that they've ever announced. Um, this kind of follows their formula of teasing. Even like the most minute thing, like, you know, uh, on sale date or, uh, just know. the announcement of where we're going. The they, announcement of the announcement they'll, they'll make you wait for. Listen, so. that's the secret <laughs> is making something feel important and making an event out of something. Yeah. And they've even made an event out of the announcement of where we're going to hold the event. So, so October, they? October 23rd, they're in Britsburg, Pennsylvania. Is that what they're calling it? That's what Cody called it for Britt Baker. Okay. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the Peterson Event Center, a venue that has a listed capacity of 12,508. Yeah. So I would think even with production in there, th- like you could put probably nine to 10,000 in here for wrestling. And oh, then man. the following week, it's even bigger. They're going to Charleston, uh, the Charleston Coliseum in West Virginia, capacity listed at 13,295. Uh, tickets for both of these go on sale Friday. Uh, huge venues. You know, it, it doesn't feel like that long ago when we were discussing whether or not, you know, 7,000 made sense for them. And clearly that was too little for them. And this obviously is another test, you know, 12,000 seaters. Can it sell out as quickly as the others have? I've, I'm not going to bet against it. I've said time. I'm not, I'm not yeah. doubting it until the week I predicted and they don't. And again, that, like they've joked about this. They're so right is that if they came out and sold, 8,000 to both of these. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. Great success. That's incredible. And you're going to have people that are short sighted that are going to look at that as some kind of like the streak ending as some kind of like it's going to happen. It's obviously going to happen. But it's yeah, these are big buildings and Pittsburgh. Um, 
You and I might go to this. We're a, we're a maybe. It's within clo- close, uh, pretty close driving this distance to, t- to Toronto. And I think, you know, in the back of my mind, I was wondering if they would do Toronto after, you know, like the Northeast Loop. And not announced for this, but um, I think just simply out of curiosity and, and due to pretty close proximity, we might actually head to this one. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a drive, but not a crazy drive. It's just, like the same drive to Montreal. Yeah, so again, uh, Friday, we'll see how those do. The Undertaker has been announced for the SmackDown taping at Madison Square Garden on September the 10th. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but Triple Mania has been moved from Madison Square Garden to the Hulu Theater, mm. which was a move that they, they pretty much had to do. And it's, it'll be a question if they can even fill the Hulu Theater. Right. I've not been to the Hulu Theater, but I mean, I hear good things about it's, it's adjacent it to Madison Square Garden. Like yeah. this is the old felt forum. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it would have been really sad to see like a quarter full, like MSG. You know? Oh yeah. Like could you imagine two to three thousand people in that? Yeah. Um, uh, Mark Ramundi's reported Cain Velasquez will wrestle on both the uh, show in New York and the show in L.A. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you think that'll be a spark for these shows or? I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of all the names, honestly, I think to especially if you're trying to acquire an audience that might not necessarily typically watch Lucha. Uh, I mean, that's probably the biggest name you can get. So, yeah. Uh AEW has also signed Tony Schiavone. Uh, this was reported uh, Sunday by Dave Meltzer. And then Mike Johnson at PW Insider had some more information that it seemed like WWE was going after Schiavone as well. Uh, I don't know what role they envisioned for him or if this was just a kind of everyone is on the table and they're going for everybody. But he does have a contract with MLW and he's going to be working for both. And he came back recently. He's going to be calling the shows moving forward with with Rich Bokini, but now also having some kind of role with All Elite Wrestling. I'm I'm just trying to think if he did go with, with WWE, what role he would have played. You know, um, they have uh, <laughs> announcers. They have plenty of them. Yeah, but Maybe they 205 Live. 205 at 805. Listen, they they had Jim Ross sitting at home because they didn't want to use him because of his age. Sure. I mean, I can't imagine what they would have used Tony Schiavone for. And Schiavone, I think, is very good on MLW. Like, I think he's he's very open-minded about the product. He adds a lot of energy to it. I will say this. I think AEW probably has a better idea of the usage of Tony Schiavone. Um, but I would also – I would want to steer clear of just making this so – nostalgia based but there's certainly a place where you can use tony shivani what what role do you think that is uh, the event center promos he's been featured in i think you could have some kind of element with him on the live show but i'd be very surprised if he would be traveling every week i mean that seems like a lot i'd be surprised if he took over for play-by-play from excalibur who i think is perfect for, for i don't think he's style. gonna end up in commentary i see him in some kind of maybe backstage like interviewer role or just doing pre-tapes for the the hype videos right. uh, of of things. I wouldn't imagine getting. Into I feel the like booth. they have a bunch of those guys already. They, they, it seems like they keep they adding have a lot. They, they keep have, adding to this on air. They have Alicia Tout. They have yeah. Chris Van Vliet. Um, and then you have your your regular announcers. Alex um, Marvez is doing a whole lot of that stuff. I forget the name of the um the other female presenter that they have. Jen Decker. Jen Decker. Yes, yep. thank you. Yeah, she's in the mix too. Uh, this is our last news item. Uh, Deadline reporting that stars has greenlit an eight-episode drama about professional wrestling starring Stephen Amell. The series, called Heels, 
Uh, I, I'm going to read you the description here, Way, and I want you to let me know. I, I, we talked about this, like, I feel like a year ago. Did we really? I think when we originally talked about Glow, we had known, like, uh, I guess in, in some research, we discovered that this was always in talks and in production. Right. You're, you're, you are right. Yeah. Um, so, but it, it's finally concrete news. Yeah. Right? So this is going to be written by uh, Michael Waldron, who's worked on Loki, and Mike O'Malley Loki. is going to be the, the... Loki the... No, not on the wrestler Loki, the series Loki. <laughs> what series? Like the Marvel series? I imagine so. It just says oh. here in brackets Loki. Okay. What else would that mean? It would, it would have to be the upcoming series. Yeah, okay. Right? Uh, and Michael Malley is the showrunner. So here it is. Heels is about the men and women who chase their dreams in the world of small town pro wrestling. Set in a close-knit Georgia community, it follows a family-owned wrestling promotion as two brothers and rivals, one of them played by Amel, war over their late father's legacy. In the ring, somebody must play the good guy, and somebody must play their nemesis, the heel, Amel. But in the real world, those characters can be hard to live up to or hard to leave behind. In the ring, Amel's Jack Spade is the charismatic villain or heel of the Duffy Wrestling Association. Okay. I wonder if he. this is a tribute to Duffy Rhodes. Huh. I mean, this is very obvious what this yeah. is based upon. In the real world... He's its hard-working owner, a husband and father trying to make ends meet while fighting to realize his impossible dreams. He has the mind of an artist in the body of a warrior, and a Steve Jobsian need for perfection and for control. That is the term, Steve Jobsian. He says he'll do whatever it takes to build the DWA into an empire. Will he go so far as to risk his marriage or his relationship with his brother? And afterwards, Stephen Amell tagged Cody Rhodes asking if he wants to come help him make a TV show. So... Jeez. Seems like Cody will be involved in this, and oh, yeah. it seems like it is basically based off of his life. Well, what's interesting is that I think originally, I I, I don't know what the concept was for for the show, but like hearing it discussed prior, I don't even know if there was a concept that was known, or if it was just like a, a series I, that was in development about pro wrestling. Sure, yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, like certainly reading that description, it sounds a whole lot like what Co- like the story of Cody Rhodes and trying to run a company like AEW with. Uh, his sibling, but, um, I, I will definitely give it a chance. I will say the bar is set very high right now, even for dramatized wrestling, uh, uh, television, television, you know, glow is excellent. And I think this will, I don't know. It'll There's always be, been the potential for a drama about professional yeah, wrestling, be much uh, more people s- that understand it, which you would get the sense the, these guys do. Stephen Amell, I think is a perfect cast. Yes. He's very good. Choice. He is. So, yes. I mean, they greenlit the series because yes. of his attachment. So yes. that, that really helps, uh, as he's coming off of arrow and, and I get, st- I, I get the stars, uh, programming. You do. Uh, you get it on Crave. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't have Crave. You don't have Crave? No. Oh, okay. Well, oh, whenever the, they, they have not announced when this, account. they have not announced when this is going to start shooting, uh, much less any kind of, um, estimate of when this will see the light of day. I think having, you know, somebody like Stephen Amell attached to it, um, you can definitely uh, assume, you know, a level of authenticity and, faithfulness to you know like uh, knowledgeable people making this type of stuff is i think what we need so yeah i'm interested to see it it looks like a cool idea in in concept anything else to discuss let's get the raw raw monday night st paul minnesota the xl energy center roman reigns started the show and they announced Corey graves has got a vacation and jerry lawler was in his place with michael cole and renee young and there was a moment later on when they made a crack about Corey Graves being on vacation, and then Renee asked Corey, or sorry, Renee asked Cole, when was the last time you went on a vacation? And he said it so seriously that I have to imagine he was not lying. 
2001. I thought I heard 2011. Okay, maybe I'm mistaken. I mean, still pretty crazy. Yeah. I would say 2011, I would say, dude, you need a vacation. I think everyone, you need time away. I can only remember Michael Cole missing time when his son got married and he missed an episode of Raw. And other than that, like... How dare him. I don't even recall Michael Cole during the tenure that he's been the voice of Raw missing shows. Yeah, I mean, some people just, they live. And I think that's nuts. I think that, that, that standard that Vince McMahon has sent, set that you just don't take days off and stuff is like, um, yeah. Yo, he's one that doesn't, but I think, man, it's, it's very unhealthy not to. Well, you need to unplug. Uh, Vince McMahon needs a vacation. He needs a vacation where he has no cell reception and he should go to one of those AEW dates. To one of their shows? Yeah. Oh. As a fan? Yeah. You think you could get tickets in time? Um, Vince McMahon trying to beat Ticketmaster to get tickets. (laughs) That would be a great video. Yeah. You know, honestly, it doesn't surprise me to hear a stat like that. And I'm sure there are many people within the company that share maybe even more crazier uh, streaks of not going on vacation. No, there's a paranoia in any industry. You don't don't go away because someone's got to pick up for you and suddenly they're there and you're not. So they are pushing that the culprit for the Roman Reigns attacks is going to be announced on SmackDown tomorrow night. So they're really pushing that for Tuesday. Do you think we'll get an announcement? I don't know. I don't care. Like I, I, they make a promise like that and I just ignore it at this point. Do you think this will pop a number tomorrow? Do you, do you expect, uh, they didn't make a huge deal out of it. I don't think they made a deal out of it. Not a big deal. Like yeah. I didn't see, were there promos? The SmackDown promo did promote oh, yeah? this. Yep. Maybe I just tune everything out now. Dolph Ziggler confronts Roman Reigns, and he says he is not a Twitter keyboard warrior like all wrestling fans. He's glad Roman is okay from everything that almost happened to him and doesn't understand the attention that Reigns receives. He says he almost got hit by a lighting rig. He almost got hit by a car. I was like, no, he really got hit by a car. His body didn't get hit. His car got hit. That is the definition of... he was in it. Like, if you... If you got T-Bone tomorrow way, I'd say way got hit by a he car. Got hit, you're right. He did get hit by a car, but he left unscathed. I guess so, yeah. He is not showing the effects of such uh, injustices yes. occurring to him. But he brings up that I got speared three times. I thought I had to wait six months in between getting hit by spears. And I was so distraught, I lost to The Miz last week with Ric Flair's move. And then he went back to, it should have been me. And then he hits a super kick on Roman Reigns mid-sentence, and this would start the match with chance of, you still suck. I maintain that Dolph Ziggler has been very good in this role. I thought he was really good here. I would say ever since the... Yeah, I would even include the Kofi build, because, you know, he had to come out of nowhere in order to, like, drive up a certain level of interest. He really... You know, had his work cut out for him because it for me, it's Dolph been this Ziggler. stuff the last month that he's kind of clicked. Well, I'm just looking at like what he's had to work with, and he's definitely been a guy who I think has been able to achieve more under, I would say, really difficult circumstances. How many people can come out here after jobbing like two days in a row in pretty like spectacular fashion and still be able to drive up enough interest to get this crowd really behind Roman Reigns in in a match like this? Did you think it was difficult to? Like, the match certainly got over with the people, but Ziggler hits Reigns with this super kick, yeah. and Reigns sells it like he has been hit with a shovel in the face. What's wrong with that? That's great. Because last week, we saw 
Goldberg eat two super kicks and kick out at one okay. and then get up and kill this guy. Well, not every super kick is worth the same. You've seen right hands in, in MMA that knock people out and right hands that don't do any damage. Maybe this one just happened to catch him in the perfect place. Uh, I guess so. So there's a Superman punch off the steps by Reigns and Ziggler moves out of the way, sends Reigns into the barricade and then he hits him with a zigzag on the floor. Uh, Reigns then comes back with a drive by and Famouser gets blocked. Reigns then goes into the corner, missing with the spear, gets hit with a zigzag. They're going into a lot of near falls here. Ziggler gets the two count off the zigzag, sets up for the sweet chin music, but then gets spun around and hit with a Superman punch, leading to Lawler with his joke that Reigns is a pacifist. He can pass a fist right through his face in 30 seconds. Oh, man. He didn't have much time on this show, but he He was going to get his shit in yeah. on this show, and he got all the old ones in. <laughs> Um, there's a spear into a famouser as, uh, as Ziggler runs at him and then Ziggler starts calling him an idiot, says that Reigns blew it. And then he leaps into a spear from Reigns out of the corner and Reigns wins the match. Good TV match that the crowd reacted really well to, you know, um, I think Ziggler again has been doing a really good job. No matter how low he is on this card, he's able to get the crowd invested in his matches. You know, Roman is very much a, after seeing him live, honestly, like. I watched that Buddy Murphy match back. I thought it was okay, but like it was, it came off very well on TV. I'm sure, it came off really well, but like I just, I oh, see. What him. do you think this match might have looked like? Are you now envisioning what these commercials consist of? Oh, I have no doubt that there's like three minute long headlocks. But I, 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 I don't. I enjoyed this because I, I did not see the three minute headlock. <laughs> Way's never going to a TV. I'm never again. going again. No, not to a TV taping. But you know, but. Y- y- even watching live, you really notice that Roman is just, he's a really basic wrestler. He's much like John Cena, but also like Cena. Why does he need to do anything more? He already gets the biggest reactions on the show. So to me, it's like an, it's really making effective use of the star power that he has. Yeah. Uh, I like the match. It was uh, both guys look very good in this. Uh, and I think they were in a tough position because I think it's very hard to buy a 50 50 match here after Ziggler just got smoked and you're facing one of your top guys. Yeah. But. The match worked. I, I attribute that to Ziggler. I, I thought both guys were really good in this. But I mean the promo initial before. The promo was very good for Ziggler to set this up. In fact, during the promo, I thought this is leading up to Reigns just killing him with a spear. I'm I thought it was going to be 30 seconds. I'm glad it wasn't. Do you see any further interaction with Shawn Michaels and Dolph Ziggler? Because he keeps bringing them up, still does the sweet chin music. Um, I'll say no. I don't think so. Unless, right. unless Crown Jewel really ponies up or Ooh. something. I mean, hmm. you never say never. But yeah, it is being, it was still brought up here. As was Goldberg, too. Yeah. So Goldberg, I do imagine he'll be back. That's, he, well, he's been announced for that first SmackDown yeah. uh, in October. So we know, we know he'll be back, but. at least appearing there. Sure. Then they go over these stats for the 24-7 championship, the first champion, the first female champion, the first pregnant champion. Just... A graphic that board. Was, that is How long would this have taken to make? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. More than 10 minutes? Maybe. Depending on a waste of how fast the typing. Becky Lynch is backstage. Uh, what I really liked about a lot of the promos on this show, and this has been a bit of a... Um, you've seen more of these over the last few months. Staring into the camera. Yeah. It makes such a difference. Rather than... Um, My guest stupid, at this time. Stupid question. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Becky... Sasha beat the pulp out of you last week. Was it difficult? 
It's better than that. It's better than the selfie promos, which I feel like completely they've completely gone. gotten rid of. No, now. they've they've upgraded to Skype, which I can accept. I much prefer the Skype. Yep. Yes. They're legitimately doing these on Skype. They're not like a camera yeah. and just throwing up a logo oh, or something. You like, they're the, actually being done on Skype. Oh, you can tell the quality of the image, yeah. They look crystal clear. I I, uh, I question the legitimacy because it looked too perfect. Really? Yeah. They must have really fast internet connections. They must. Which? Oh, any update? How is how is the stream? Well, I'm not streaming yet. But... Oh. So here's the story. This is going to be a detour. So, so yeah, uh, those of you who listen to the Cafe Hangout know that we've been having some problems. Connection issues. Yes. It's been a real pain in our ass. So last week, I contacted uh, our local cable company, and I explained this problem, and... They saw an item that they were going to sell on me, and I I latched onto this worm. Oh, you're not happy? Here's something you can buy that'll here, make you happy. Listen, this woman gave me all these offers. I was grilling her about like all the potential ways I could get screwed here by agreeing to this. It was no contract. It's five bucks a month. I'm getting an upgraded package for my, my internet as a result of taking this. There's oh, no contract. Are. I can cancel this. I Yeah, I, I improved my overall package as a result of this. So. Okay. I said, sure. I don't sense any holes in all of this. Of course, this thing may not work, but I'm going to try this out. So when can someone come? And they said, Monday. I said, great. What are my options? Because with Rogers, it's just a window they give you. It's a I window s- of 12 hours. It's not. It was two hours. 8 till 10 a.m. Oh, okay. I said, that's fine. I'll go into work late on Monday. I will be there. They were like, now beware. They may call you at 730 to be there at 8. I'm like, I will be up at 730. That is not a problem. I'm up at 730. I get no call. I come downstairs. I start to work. It is 8.30. It is 9. It is 9.30. It is now 9.55. I have not received any call, so I contact them. I call in, and the, they I have to punch in my number, and it recognizes my account, stating, you have a scheduled installation process today between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. I'm like, yeah, I fucking know that. I get then get sent to the agent who looks up my account and says, oh, yes. Your installation is scheduled for September the 16th. It's like, that's really funny because it's August the 19th. Why would I have scheduled an installation for a month from now? I just had the automated message verify my schedule. She's like, I don't know how this has happened. And it's just like, she's typing away. I'm like, what are you typing? Like, we're at an impasse here. Like, what are you going to magically type? And it's going to say August 19th. Send someone over in two minutes. That's the time lapse. She has to do- they have to document everything. I guess so. Yeah. So they say, we can send someone over today. Okay. Like, okay. The person comes. It takes an hour to install this thing. They do something to our modem, and then they put this thing called a beacon down here oh, in the I corner. See. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Thus far, my speed has been through the roof. Oh. I so see. it's so far so good, but we have not tried a live stream yet. So speed test right now. Um. We'll see how this goes. Okay. Well, wonderful. At, at least there's, it seemed to have taken your whole day, but at least it's good news at the end of it. It was okay. I went, I worked at the library all day and then I came back for four. Guy got here, installed it. Wonderful. So far, so good. Which library? Okay. You don't, you tell me later. Yeah. The, um, the one with the books. Becky Lynch is backstage. All that from staring into cameras is where we went mm-hmm. and Skype connections. Becky says that Sasha beat her stupid with a chair last week. And she wants the best and most aggressive version of everyone she fights. 
She wants to fight the best at their peak, and that's what Sasha Banks is right now. Banks ran away crying from WWE with her career as cold as ice, and now she's hotter than ever. Banks is the greatest woman on the roster to never be great. I had to pause and think about that one. The greatest woman on the roster to never be great. I think I think that's the best of the average. Yeah, it's like the the tallest short person. Exactly. Uh, That was a very politically correct way of the old saying that you just gave. Uh, sure. She made fun of Sasha's dollar store glasses and says she's put more work into Sasha getting into WWE than she did. And when she gets her, she will give Sasha something to run home and cry about. A great promo from Becky Lynch. Uh, I liked it. I, I guess I, maybe I had some of the same issues that maybe we just had trying to decipher it because I, I don't know if I completely understood. So can you tell me? How she okay? Got Sasha. I know what you're gonna say. They need to explain that because yeah. no one, there was no context. How did she here. bring Sasha Banks back? She was saying she helped her get into WWE, not bring oh, her back. Oh, that yes. So okay. that's a story they have to address, and I think they sh- they will. Right. Um, I was a little confused by that. They brought that up later that she got she it. was instrumental in helping Sasha get into WWE. So okay. that's fine. I mean, you can explain that. Sure. I thought this is very good delivery, and it's yep. something that she's got a real program now. That she desperately needed, and it's a match people want to see, unlike Lacey Evans, where it was a match people wanted her to get through to move on to someone like a Sasha. Certainly, yeah. Jerry Lawler's in the ring for the King's Court, where he's about to interview Sasha, but before, he has to talk about the King of the Ring. One of his favorite events every year. Every year. Every year. Um, The last one... um, the last three years, very hard to find those tournaments, but 2015, he loved what they did with Wade Barrett. (laughs) He says, sometimes it's a launching pad, and he lists off the names, and then they display the brackets with some very King of the Ring-style music, and Jerry Lawler is going to reveal his brackets. On the Raw side, he thinks it comes down to Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, and then on the SmackDown side, before he can reveal his bracket, the power cuts out. And this is the sign that this character is over, because people got to their feet as the... Uh, sound effects were buzzing, so were the people. They were like so enamored that, oh my god, it's the fiend. Well, I can tell you, last week at SmackDown, I was really disappointed because we didn't get a moment like this. But um, yeah, it's gotten to the point now where they delayed it for two episodes, and when it hits, like it's it's. A they big shouldn't deal. do this every week. No, they shouldn't. I was happy. Lawler quickly gets out of there. The best line of this whole thing was as the lights are flickering out, Michael Cole screaming, "King, where are you?" And then the light shines on Lawler. He is up the ramp, and the fiend comes up from behind and just raises. This was so cool. Oh, it's just exactly out of a horror movie. You know, it was the the type of scene where everybody watching was, you know, had to scream. He's right behind you. Um, I love like the lighting effects and the screeching sound effects in the background. I mean, this is gonna win them their Emmy. Best cinematography. uh, I don't know how much the the blocking of this uh, doing this live. This is very impressive for them. Yeah, but I don't think the Emmy Awards uh, Academy gives a shit about like that when you're comparing it to like serious. Maybe problems. they'll win an ESPY for this. Oh, it's, yeah, of course they 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 have their own award, don't they? You know, I I I I I mean, like, I think it's still really campy, but it's the type of camp that it's. Is really fun and 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 might legitimately scare your little brother. You know, it's not the type of cant that'll make you p- 
point and laugh at it. It's the type of camp that you go, wow, that was really cool. So it clearly the guy's gimmick is to now deliver mandible claws to people who are not physically cleared for yep. action. And that Best. continued here with Jerry Lawler taking the mandible claw. Lawler is left laying. That's the best gimmick. I stick my fingers down old people's throats. Yeah. Look out, Austin. Great. Uh, if there's one thing I, I, I think takes the edge off of some of these segments, it's the yowie wowie chance at the end that the crowd inevitably is going to go into. Um, but still, what? I, I don't know if anybody is like anybody is legitimately scared other than your little brother, you know, but. We're all entertained in that. It, it ruins the tone that they have established. And I think they, they have very, so they've done me, a very good job of setting though, that. For me though, the tone is less, wow, this is really scary and more about, wow, this is really cool. You know? I, yeah. I still think it, it, it yeah, ends- we just accentuates how cool it is. Mm, I don't know. It's something he created. Lawler is left laying and that would be the end of Jerry Lawler on this show to, re- to be replaced by Vic Joseph, who I think was, most people's MVP of the night. He didn't just replace Lawler. He replaced Michael Cole here. He did play-by-play on this. Yeah. yeah. Vic Joseph did a great job. He did fantastic. I mean, I feel like it's been a few months since we've heard him on Raw, but I'm sure he was already really good before, but now he feels very seasoned. Very seasoned, yeah. and it was also a much... Like, people were complimenting the commentary tonight. Like, the flow between all three. It wasn't just yeah, Vic Joseph. Sure. It was, like, it helped the chemistry of all three. Mm-hmm. It seemed... Uh, I thought he did a great job, and this was a hell of a tryout for him to be in this role in the future. The fact that they let Joseph do the play-by-play, even though your main play-by-play guy is there, I think suggests that this is kind of their way of introducing, or at least maybe Cole's way of introducing him, giving him a real test and kind of introducing him to like a, a wider audience, and Joseph did fantastic. Yeah. Ricochet and The Miz versus Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin. These are pairings for next week's Raw King of the Ring matches where Ricochet will be taking on Drew and Miz will take on Baron Corbin. And this was the return of Baron Corbin. The return of Baron, but the disappearance of his shirt. I think he looks way better in a tank. He's pretty built. Like, he looks he looks more built than he did before. Yeah, like... I don't, I still don't really know what he was going for before. I know he was supposed to be a GM, but even if a GM were to all of a sudden get into a tennis match, I don't think he'd play the tennis match in a dress shirt. You would get into something a bit more loose, a bit more like, you know, uh, more active. This tank top. It'll change his career. Everybody will love this guy now. Did you notice the lights at the beginning of this match? They were, it was a red light that I'm sure was an accident. It was really weird to watch them wrestling with these spotlights going all over the place. And I was like, like is this some like horrible new technique that the they're return, trying? Return of Sin Cara. Yeah, it was very weird. And then they quickly just turned off these lights and we got back to normal. So um, this was mainly just people remarking about Baron Corbin's shirt. Uh, some people comparing it to Okada going back to the getting rid of the the pants. Um, I I contend that it's an even bigger deal. Uh, the tag was made to Ricochet. He did a super kick into the skull crushing finale, which was their double team maneuver uh, onto Drew. But Corbin was still legal, so Ricochet and Corbin fought. He got hit with the deep six. Ricochet kicked out missile drop kick and then Miz pulled Ricochet out of the corner so Corbin ran in missing Ricochet and got hit with the recoil the code breaker for the win in 10 minutes 18 seconds I thought it was a good match I actually thought Ricochet and Corbin had some pretty decent chemistry together Ricochet I felt kind of had most of the shine in this match and he looked excellent really fast paced Corbin I thought did well too 
maybe it's a shirt. Maybe I'm I'm gonna become a, a Baron Cor- Corbin fan simply based off of the the vest. I like that they're doing these tag matches, previewing upcoming singles bouts. You know, it's it's very back to basics. You see New Japan do it in all their undercards, and I think it just gives value to these like random TV uh, under matches. From there, we go to Sasha Banks, who is sitting down for her interview later. Well, you forgot the. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Just sitting down for sitting the interview. Down. She would sit down for a long time before we finally went to her. It was like a half an hour before they went to the. She just sat in a room. No wonder she was pissed later on. No. First, we had to interview Booker T on Skype. Yep. And he says Bray is a fiend, but he's more like a rabid dog. And with a rabid dog, you either put it down or you run. Okay. So this man needs to be killed or else just run away. Mm -hmm. Lawler was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then they segued from potential death to, hey, Booker, you won the King of the Ring 13 years ago. Was it good? Yep. It's the exclamation point on your career. And he's choosing Drew McIntyre to win, which is who all the announcers are picking as well. Everyone's picking Drew. Which means he probably won't win. Neither will Cedric and Ricochet. Maybe that's going to be the new swerve, is that everyone picks someone, and then that person wins because everyone assumes they're uh, not winning. That's 2019. That's yeah. the things you think about. You know, um, this weekend last, they, they, um, they've they been doing these Skype interviews, and they always, at least with these two, seem to all make them end with the legend uh, putting over a current star, which I like. Yeah. Last week it was Austin putting over Rollins, and this week it was uh, Booker... Talking about Drew. So it's a way to... It's an easy way to put someone of note on the show that doesn't require travel. Doesn't even require a satellite link. I mean, Skype, you know, it's what we use. It's free. It's uh, no set. It's like this was Booker's room. (laughs) It was. The library. I saw a photo get posted of the uh, person who was there. Yeah. So I got to see the setup. So it's like it's legit Skype. They feel authentic. You know, it's not like, you know, some put on thing backstage. So sure. Why not? Yeah. Are we going to get conference calls? Like maybe we'll get multiple people on. I don't know. I'm still waiting for that Sid appearance. So maybe Sid 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 by Skype would be awesome. Yeah. That should be a segment. Sid by Skype. That would be great. Every week Sid weighs in on just whatever he wants to talk about. He's got 60 seconds. Yeah. Wow. That'd be great. Yeah. Were you a, a He-Man fan? No. Okay. Why? No, I, uh, there are people that are, so and they love. They're rebooting it with Kevin Smith doing it for Netflix. Oh, yeah. What does this have to do with Sid? How did I get there? Oh, because he's the master and the ruler. Oh, that's where I, I got to <laughs> He-Man from. There, that's that's the line in my head. <laughs> uh, the OC's promo from last week with AJ challenging Braun Strowman sets up our United States title match as Sasha still sits backstage. Uh, Strowman chases after AJ, then Anderson gets out of the way, and Braun gets caught with the strikes as he re-enters the ring, and Styles goes after his knee, and then Gallows and Anderson get knocked off the apron, there's a springboard by AJ, and Braun just swats him in midair, Gallows comes in with the super kick uh, for the DQ at 151. This was, uh, I guess, a serious level of super kick, because they they realized this match can't continue at this rate. So they beat down Braun until Seth runs down uh, with his new Shield teammate his baseball hat and saved Braun cleared the ring. And Seth got a big response when he ran down Rollins and Braun shake hands. And Rollins explains that he's repaying the favor from last week when Braun saved Rollins. I thought it was a good segment to follow up on last week's main event. You know, um, the way that they discussed this afterwards 
definitely makes you think that this is leading to a Rollins Strowman match. Yeah, definitely. And um it's an interesting way of getting to a Rollins Strowman match. Yeah, backstage Rollins says that he saw how Braun looked at his title and says, "You should be the next challenger. I've got a lot of respect for you, but first we have to settle the score with the OC." And he proposes facing Gallows and Anderson tonight for the Raw tag titles. This is how easy it is to get a tag title match. First time I mean, ever. If you're a main eventer, yeah. Yes. So Seth no longer uh, is linked to his girlfriend, but now the object of others' affection is his championship. Okay. Yeah. So the belt is now his significant other, and now this other man has eyes for his title. And he's aware of that. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if you Braun could, could challenge for Seth's girlfriend. If that's that's the where, where things might have been going had they not kind of distanced themselves. I much prefer this than the other one. Yeah, Braun can't keep, keep his eyes off this title. Yeah. All of a sudden, though, just in the last week, up until now, he's been a stranger to this title. Hasn't had any problems, but now he's obsessed. Yes. Okay. Joe and Cesaro in the opening match of the King of the Ring tournament. There was a promo from Joe earlier in the night. And I'll tell you what was sad. Okay, sorry, you're talking about Joe's entrance? Uh, the promo. Okay, please. He says that the truth doesn't require promises. The truth is standing in front of you. And I thought we were going to get the cameraman revealing himself to be our truth. <laughs> and he says, the king has spoken. And then Cesaro. Is this what you're referring to? Yes. Cesaro this comes This poor out. guy. Yeah. It was... He had to cut this goddamn promo with well, the fucking mouth guard. Okay, hold on. No, that's not the sad part. Oh, that was pretty sad. To me, the sad part was Cesaro is on his way making making his entrance to the ring. And Renee, as he's entering, says, oh, maybe the king of swing can become or can maybe become the king of the said, ring. Yeah. And then Cesaro in his like in his promo was the that was the same punchline. I didn't pun- realize Renee had the same yeah. line to set so that promo. Renee up. stole oh. this poor guy's punchline and Cesaro does not have much, you know? Uh king of the swing becoming king of the ring. That's really he probably was saving that up for like a In long fairness, time. it was almost impossible to hear what this guy was saying with his mouth guard in his mouth cutting this promo. It's kind of the gimmick. Yeah. But yeah. The king of swing will be the king of the ring. That's what I heard. <laughs> Cesaro attacks him with this running uppercut immediately and goes for a fall. Joe takes him out with a tope suicida into the crowd. They go through the break. Cesaro hits these repeated uppercuts in the corner, boot to the face. They are working a very hard style. And then Cesaro lifts him up for a vertical suplex and they tumble down. And Cesaro just holds on to him and then delivers the vertical suplex. Joe hit a urinagi out of the corner. Cesaro briefly swung him around. And I'll say brief. This was like... Half a revolution. I would say he he more like wiped the back of Joe's head on the mat a few times. Yeah, this is like okay, I'm good. I'm okay about this. I'm not. I'm. I have it's not lost my equilibrium. Technically a swing. He applied the sharpshooter into a crossface. Joe rolled back. The neutralizer got blocked. Cesaro came off the middle rope for his spinning uppercut, but was caught with the coquina clutch and tapped at nine thirty six. I liked elements of this. They were working very hard, but I also felt they did not reach their intended goal of this match. I think for a Raw match, my expectations are a lot lower. lower. And and I just simply look at this as a really great TV match compared to a lot of the TV matches that I've I can't seen. say this was great. I thought it was good. I thought it was great for a Raw match. For these two, I, I, I 
I think they've had, I, I think they wanted to have better. I think they want to come out and do like a, as, as much of a, of a G1 style match as they could to kick off this tournament. I think that's impossible. It is a, impossible, but I think that was their intent to at least try. Okay. And I didn't think they hit that. Well, I, I thought it was a good first match to set the pace for the rest of the tournament. You know, the second one just skyrocketed my expectations. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I almost wondered if this was, uh, maybe kind of too good for the rest because I don't I don't know if you're gonna have any other pairings that'll really match this even. Listen, when those brackets came out, there was a lot of optimism. Oh, like yeah. I got a lot of positivity of people looking at these brackets and saying, you know what, like not perfect, but man, there's a lot of good pairings potentially in all of this. Like you could have some hot matches if there was any real like you know uh, attempt at like the WWE trying to answer a lot of the criticism of. The wrestling on Raw or SmackDown not being up to the standard of what's out there today. I think a tournament like this is like the perfect thing to try to solve that, especially with pairings like this. Um, but you don't think it reached that level. I, listen, I don't want to dog this match because I did, I still thought it was, was very good. I, I think it could have been better though. In the same amount of time they had, they almost had 10 minutes here, which is quite a lot now by WWE television standards. We had a Mountain Dew ad with Holly Holm of all people in it. And then Elias was in the recording studio over the weekend when Drake Maverick was dressed up and tried to roll him up unsuccessfully. He gets kicked out, and then Elias beats him up in a soundproof room. Great. I loved it. It was a really fun, silent scene. It was so quiet. I thought this was a match from SummerSlam last week. Oh, wonderful. Drake Drake Maverick on Twitter claimed his flight was delayed, so he wasn't able to make it to the show. But, you know. Oh, maybe they had more planned. Yeah, well, who knows? Not sure if it's a work or not. Elias is in the ring. Uh, there were these static sound effects that start The most playing. weird static I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Static um, that sounded more like... Like this was downloaded off Cling of... rap. Yeah, it was very odd. And I think way too close to Bray Wyatt's stuff that people didn't know what was going on here. Right. He says it's his farewell performance, and Renee is stunned at this news, even though it was advertised throughout the day. He can't risk being out here live every week as 24-7 champion. The effects continue. He's upset. His guitar is out of tune, so he asks for a new one. R-Truth is in disguise, and when the lights come on, they see it's R-Truth, and it gets a pop. There's also a referee in disguise, and it leads to a bunch of roll-ups, a scissors kick, and then Truth gets the guitar. He teases going full Jeff Jarrett when Elias escapes and runs away with the title. I had no idea what these sound effects were supposed to be. Like, was this static? It was supposed to be static. So, our truth was what? He was somehow controlling this? I guess. Yeah. He had done a terrible job setting up the stage. I think that's what I was trying to tell you. Okay. He was, he's not a real stage hand, therefore all, all of Elias' gimmick uh, gear is not up to standard. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, um, I think like what's interesting about the, these Elias segments is that he, we've seen guys go with like, go for like roll ups and it not being effective. Truth here even hit his finisher and it was not effective. So we're seeing the 24 seven championship right now on somebody who is not at the very bottom of the ladder in the WWE. Somebody who can actually be somewhat competitive and is actually a challenge to defeat for somebody like, uh, Truth and Maverick. So I think it's, 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 it's an, it's an interesting new wrinkle for the 24-7 title, which I, I would say has gotten a bit stale with just Drake and Truth over the past month. Elias works for this yeah. stuff. Um, then we go backstage. This is where I'm going to make my exception, okay? To what? 
the promos just without the interviewer because this oh, overcame that. Okay. Charlie's with Rey Mysterio. And Ray, first of all, Charlie welcomes in Ray. And Ray, before he has his speech, he looks at Charlie and says, Charlie, thank you for your time and this forum. I've been a very fortunate man. I've had a wonderful career. I've been training since I was a little boy with my uncle. But things have not been clicking in my career. What happened with Andrade was a disgrace when he ripped off my mask. It is the biggest insult in Lucha Libre. But the thing is, I haven't been able to do anything about it. When I'm in the ring, I can see my next moves before I do them. But my body just won't respond. The injuries have finally caught up to me. And I have to say that it is time to hang up the mask and let the new generation of stars make their way in. And he goes to grab his mask and take it off. When all of a sudden, Conan runs in and says, Dude, do you know how much you can make off Triple Mania? You're going to unmask for free? Dominic comes in. And he stops his father from unmasking. Now, Dominic... <laughs> If ever there was context that was necessary to explain that this was Ray's son, this was needed. He towered over his father. I don't know if you need to explain it. He's been on TV. The visual recently. is so crazy. Yeah, but you've seen that already. Many well, I'm, I'm talking for somebody that one of those millions of new fans that oh. are tuning in for this. He tells his father that he said that when I debuted, you would debu you would be my partner. And I want to be able to tell my kids that I teamed with their grandfather, the great Rey Mysterio. Don't do this, Dad. Stay in WWE. You'll make me proud. And Rey says, I will do this for you, son, because I love you. This segment was so great. It was so good. This was amazing. This was uh, like a level of uh, promo that we never get in WWE anymore. I think it might have been... Ray's best promo he's ever had. This might have been career. better than that Brandy promo last week. I think it was. That really great Brandy one that she did. Oh, on uh, the AW, Sean Spears? The YouTube? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. But I, 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 because I don't think anybody expects it from Ray, to me, this was that much better. This was a Road 2 level promo. Sure. Yeah, it was great. It was a great acting performance oh. from Ray Mysterio, who, yeah, like you, we never really taught. He has not been a great, like, actor i think in the past but uh, clearly he's been working give on him something. something to sink his teeth yeah. into look what you get out of him yeah maybe the age has kind of helped you know maybe the experience has helped too you know the big question mark was of course going to be dominic whether or not dominic can follow up his dad's like promo of his life uh with such a somber tone i thought dominic did fine like he did fine well enough to be able to tell the story. So. This is a tough role for him oh, to be in. Really tough. Like the first speaking role, or I mean substantial speaking role on WWE TV. He did great. So um I'm immediately hooked to whatever they're trying to build here. The debut of Dominic uh teaming up with Rey Mysterio uh against Andrade and Selena. Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know if that one Hmm. I don't know about that one, I guess. Who would he team with? What if what if Andrade takes Dominic under his wing and Dominic unmasks Ray? Wouldn't that would be like Ray would yeah, do it a hundred percent. Certainly like if ever Ray was gonna lose his mask, it would be to his son. 
I mean, that would make a lot of people groan. You know, it's like, it's, if it was like a Vince Russo thing, I think Dominic would have unmasked Ray, like in this segment. If, um, if you did it the right way and that kicks I off just don't Dominic's, think... that's the reason Dominic would have a mask. Well, he takes his father's listen, mask from him. I don't know how much I expect from Dominic beyond this angle with Rey Mysterio. Uh, certainly as a heel, I, I don't know. I have my questions, but. I'm very uh, leery about this angle. Like, this is a very important one for Dominic. Uh, and I hope that they can pull it off well. But this was certainly a tremendous start to it. Yeah. Yeah. After, and it like, seemed like they had dropped it cold. Like, this was going to be... They were going to get this going at WrestleMania when Dominic was going to be in the front row for the Ray-Joe match. And right. then they just kind of iced all that. And now they're going back to it. But this was tremendous. This was, a, this was the best thing on Raw. Yeah. It was really, really well done. Big E and Xavier Woods against the Revival. The Revival are sporting some new snakeskin boots as an ode to Randy Orton, Mm -hmm. the Viper. They had the advantage on Woods. New Day then sends them to the floor for the break. They come back. Big E is in. He is fired up. He goes for the up, up, down, down, but Dawson knocks Woods off the turnbuckle. And then Wilder is placed on the apron. Big E goes for his running spear. And out of nowhere, Orton appears and RKO's Big E. This was great. Yeah, the match I felt the crowd a little quiet for, but um, it really didn't matter matter because in the end, all you really thought about was the Orton thing. Well, they got through. They got a commercial breakaway, so maybe that had something to do with it. This was great. Randy comes out of nowhere. I really like the attachment of Randy Orton to the revival. And after this, they're beating down the New Day. Kofi runs down. He's attacking Orton and the revival, and then he comes off the top. Takes down Dawson and Wilder, but turns around and gets hit with the RKO. Woods tries to attack, and Wilder and Dawson lift him into an RKO by Orton. This was awesome. This, this was a great was so double good. team. This was a 3D, but with two people doing the lifts for the flapjack. I mean, it was the coolest. It was like they were both ever. doing the setup for the Shatter Machine, but it ends with the RKO. It was, it was very a 3D cool. with Orton doing the RKO instead of Bubba doing the cutter. Like it was fucking perfect and already made this association worthwhile. Orton makes Kingston watch as Dawson has Woods' uh, leg tied up and Wilder comes off and destroys his knee. Xavier is selling like his ACL has just been torn to shit. And this was a great angle. Yeah, yeah, I love this. This was like a scene out of a, a movie, you know, making Kofi watch his uh, best friend get his uh, knee broken. I certainly hope Woods, like, sells this for a good amount of time. I mean, I know Woods has kind of been playing that role for quite a while now, you know, just the guy to get to, to fuel Kofi's revenge. But it works, and I think it will work especially well here with Randy Orton, who I love uh, being paired with the revival, you know, I, I think their ring in ring styles complement each other really well. And Orton like gives that really serious edge to the revival that I think the revival has been missing for a long time, being stuck in that comedy tag team division, even being briefly paired with Shane. They were really kind of more seen as like comedy guys, and now I think they're a serious threat with Orton in front of them. Michael Cole also, also worth noting that the anti Kofi reaction. Didn't follow him out of Toronto. No, I didn't think it would. This was a really good angle. This was, uh, I like this a lot. Sasha Banks, who's been there forever, uh, is finally interviewed by Michael Cole, who calls her attack last week on Natalia one of the most controversial in WWE history. Sasha says it's been a crazy and emotional week, and she really appreciates the fact that she has been given this opportunity to explain <laughs> and says, 
my hair's blue. And she says that she came back and it's all anyone can talk about her hair being blue. And she looks, she looks good and feels even better. And Cole says, no one's talking about your blue hair. They're talking about your attack on Natalia and Becky Lynch. And I beg to differ. I think everybody's talking about there was the a hair. fair amount of the, look, hair, the hair. hair they're talking about is the hair as much as they are talking about the angle and then cole says he sets up his question by saying we'll thank you for explaining your actions and that led to sasha saying you're welcome and perry saturn i'm sure somewhere was taking this as a tribute and then she just walked off uh, uh, two weeks in, I'm really enjoying the new Sasha. You know, I think we're getting finally getting a genuine heel Sasha Banks. Except, you know, relying on that whole boss character, you're getting a bit more of an evolved version of that heel character that feels a lot more sinister. Jerry Lawler update. He was examined and left under supervision, and he has been badly shaken up. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. Uh, this went four minutes, 16 seconds. Uh, featured... Uh, Mandy Rose hitting her big flying knee onto Bliss. They made their way to the corners. DeVille and Cross were in. Cross sent Rose into the post and then got hit with a spine buster by DeVille. Bliss comes in and this allows Ro- uh, Cross to recover and hit the spinning neck breaker and pin DeVille 416. I felt they, they were kind of ambitious with how much they had to do. DeVille in particular felt like she was trying to prove something here. I Overall, I felt it came across a little bit rushed and clearly, you know, seeing that it was only four minutes, maybe it's, it's understandable. Uh, but I, I felt a little bit sloppy at points, but at no point did this crowd seem interested despite all the action that they were trying to cram in here. Um, I do like that. They were having the tag team champions see a lot of action almost as a statement. I would say to, you know, the Iconics title run because already bliss and, Cross have already like what faced and defeated like three tag teams. Yeah, they just don't really have um, it, it. They don't really have a sustained program right now with anyone. I guess it's just picking like, are they going to go like, what are they going to do right now with Sane and Oscar with with Paige uh, recovering uh, from her surgery? Are they going to just kind of keep them away, or will they do something with them without Paige? I wonder. It almost seems like they're right now trying to rehab those belts before really getting to a program. Yeah, they. I mean, they've moved them to Bliss and Cross, but they just feel like this is a division that, um, well, it's an improvement over what it was, even if it's just, it's just TV matches right now. Rollins and Braun are in the locker room. He's staring at Seth's title. And Seth says, we've got to get through tonight first. Then we can deal with my championship. Braun says he is focused and Seth is going to have to follow his lead and not the other way around. Cedric Alexander and Sami Zayn, next King of the Ring match. Um, there's this weird head scissors spot where Zayn, first he like fell down, then he got up and took the head scissors to the floor. Alexander dive, neuralizer, lumbar check, and he won this in three and a half minutes. Yeah, not much of a, a reaction here. You know, this was the third hour. I thought the crowd was rather cold again. Um, to me, it was just a match that quickly de- delivered a result and moved Alexander up the bracket. Uh I guess significant that it was Alexander continuing to get a push here. Not know? surprised. No, not not at all. But I think if you compare it to where his position was six months ago, oh sure, he would be very yeah, surprised. But, um, this is Zane's role at the moment. Then this was an interesting segment. Okay, uh, if you don't want to hear NXT spoilers, fast forward a minute. Okay, you've been warned. So right. 
Yeah. La- last week at the NXT tapings, the Street Profits lost their tag titles. So I was curious how they were going to do this here, this segment with them. So they're shown in the back and they're not wearing their titles. Mm-hmm. And they start going over their brackets. Dawkins had picked. Cesaro to go to the finals. So they are keyed as NXT tag team that's champions. That's it. They're keyed as yeah. the NXT tag champions, but they're not wearing the belts. Mm-hmm. So instead of just making a decision one way or the other, they kind of went in the middle. Yeah. So Which I'm fine with. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what are they supposed to do? Key them as like... It's kind of just weird. It's like they are going to be acknowledged as... They're taping. So they've, they've run into this before. Then why not have the titles? Like... They've had the titles every week until now. I don't know. Maybe they didn't have them. Maybe they physically didn't have them. I don't I'm know. sure it was. But they ran into this with like, wasn't it like a Gargano or something with like a, or some, like when, when Gargano and Ciampa were initially called up at the beginning of this year, didn't they run into something similar? They might have. Yeah. Like with the North American belt? Mm. I, please. Whatever. I can't remember the example. Care. But they are asked about or they come up with the idea of a tag team King of the Ring tournament, which Montez Ford says they don't need because they're already kings. And Seth freaking Brawlins are up yeah. next in the tag title match. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They had brackets for this. They did. Yeah. Dawkins thinks he's out of it already. So I wonder, I wonder how he did in the G1 tournament. I wonder too. And I, I, I certainly, you know, maybe I'm just still really caught up in G1, like, you know, uh, coverage. I wonder how much like influence that might have had in the back somewhere with the King of the, of the Ring. King of the Ring. Mm. If anything, I thought that maybe someone came up with this idea after Harley Race died, and someone was just reading a bio on him or something, and just thought, "King of the Ring, we need ideas." Could have maybe. been. Could have been a multitude of reasons. Uh, then the SmackDown promo aired. So Tuesday night in Sioux Falls, we're getting uh, supposedly the culprit revealed. Daniel Bryan versus Buddy Murphy, and then in King of the Ring matches, Kevin Owens versus Elias, and Andrade versus Apollo Crews. I would assume Owens and Andrade in those matches? You would think so, but who knows? Unless maybe Dominic gets involved. Hmm. Gallows and Anderson are backstage with AJ Styles, and Gallows and Anderson are complaining about having to defend the titles. AJ says it's a chance for them to show their greatness and take out those mother lovers. Yeah, that was a uh, that was the Justin Timberlake uh, Andy Samberg uh, parody song, "Mother Lovers." I don't recall that one. This was like ten years ago on SNL. Natalia is backstage wearing her sling, and she says it's been one week since she bared her soul. She knew this would be an emotional week, one year since her father passed away, and she didn't expect Sasha, her friend, to hurt her like this. And before she can finish, Sasha jumps her. Natalia didn't see it coming. Yeah. She was, see, if there was an interviewer there, she would have been, she would have had her head to the side, but she was staring right into the camera that she didn't see someone coming right next to her and nailed her. Wow. Banks called her a crybaby, slammed her arm into the, uh, into the production crate, and then says, go to hell, Natty, and tell your daddy I said hi. It's like, really, we have to go. Completely unnecessary. I thought the whole segment was great, except for this, like, eh, just a pretty tasteless, trashy line. Kind of ruined it for me. Um, It was already a perfectly fine segment before that. I don't know why you need to, you know, whatever. Um, 
I think it was interesting how, like, despite being a pre-tape, this audience was still giving Natalia the what treatment. So whether or not intentional, I think having Sasha beat her up continued to make Sasha liked by this audience. Yeah. Do you it, – it's kind of interesting how they're they're kind of building up two programs at the moment for Sasha, which they've kind of explained Natalia's hurt. So it, it almost seems like you have to go to Becky first and then get to Natalia. I don't even really see Natalia as, like, a real, like – Made event match. I just kind of see it as a build up to Becky. Like Becky's the, the pay per view program. Yeah. It's, I don't see them getting to that match though before the next pay per view. Like that would seem really rushed for this. Like you're doing the injury angle with Natalia. Uh, yeah. You mean, uh, Sasha versus Natalia. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't need this line. I thought it was really lame. It's like, yeah, you, you can come up with any shitty thing to say. It doesn't mean it's, it's to me, I don't know. Yeah. Unimaginative. Yeah, it's cheap. It's like, it's the Orton Eddie thing. It's like, yeah, you can come up with fucked up stuff to say. He, li- it was literally the same thing. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. It's Your just, dad's I, in hell. I think it's just pretty tasteless. They plugged straight up Steve Austin, uh, coming up after this, featuring Lance Hoyt this week. Interesting. Yeah. He was, uh, they went, I guess, to his, uh, his, his gym and wow. Austin was taking bumps in the, in the preview. Straight off the G1. Yeah. Um, then our main event, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows against Rollins and Braun, Seth freaking Brawlins for the raw tag titles. And Rollins still has his ribs taped, selling the effects of that frog splash off the top turnbuckle through the table. Uh, they attack Rollins ribs. He gets sent to the floor, spine buster. They continue to work on it. Styles then distracts. So they take out Braun on the floor and you think he's gone. And then there's this fire up spot several moments later where Braun just kills everyone with shoulder tackles on the floor and was a cool comeback. Um, there's a power slam delivered to Anderson stomp to AJ. And this is after Braun gets the hot tag pins Anderson 12 minutes, 10 seconds. So Braun and Rollins win the tag titles and they pose at the top of the ramp, and the closing shot is Braun staring, not at the tag titles, at the universal title. Mm. He just can't help it. Uh, I mean, maybe a bit of disappointment that they just took it off of Gallows and Anderson, but they weren't doing anything with them anyway. Um, this tag team division still really has not gotten off the ground. So you might as well use your WWE tag team belts for the purpose that WWE tag titles have always been used for, and that's... As accessories to further your main event singles program. <laughs> I'd rather they be on, like, top guys than, you know, just yeah, people just, on the card. They're just existing. So, um... Do you have any news from your phone? Uh, no news. No news. Okay. Um, we'll but yeah, that it. was raw. I thought, uh, overall, um... I liked it. I liked the show, too. Yeah. I thought that it moved very quickly. I thought that there were some very good promos on raw tonight which is not something we always uh praise on yeah. this show i like the orton kofi thing that was very um, good the ray thing was awesome ray thing was great um rain ziggler i thought was fun the joe versus uh cesaro i enjoyed so good job great job all right, let's go to the forum and see what everyone had to say about the show tonight. Uh, we go to forum.postwrestling.com, and tonight they give this a 6.65. Yeah, okay. Raw's still after that elusive 7. That's all. I mean, considering where it was at before, I think Raw's done pretty well these two weeks. AJ from Pennsylvania. What's up, mother lovers? 
I'm a week or two behind on your shows. Got a baby on the way, so I'm not sure if you've mentioned it, but Wei, I hope all of your family is safe in Hong Kong. Crazy what's happening over there. However, mm-hmm. some things are worth fighting for. I believe democracy to be one of them. Well, that's a very serious start to our feedback. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, I have relatives in Hong Kong. My immediate family is, is not in Hong Kong. So thank you. The UFC is actually going there. Um, Hong ne- Kong? Next week. They're going to, um, they're, they're going to China. Macau or where? Uh, it's no, it's in, it's in mainland okay. China. Um, yeah, I, well, they won't see any of this. They've said that there's problems trying to travel there actually, that really? they've had to, it, it has affected some of the logistics of actually traveling there to China. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it says raw was fun tonight. Enjoyed both King of the ring matches. Hoping whoever wins is able to pull off the corny King gimmick. I don't, I, I really hope that this is not, um, yeah, I think they're really pushing Baron to that everyone thinks is going to be the spoiler to win this, but ultimately will not. Uh, yeah, sure. I think they're going to tease Baron going far in this tournament, but I, yeah. I, I don't see Baron winning. this. I think he'll be the Jay White of at least maybe, uh, maybe he side. goes right to the finals. Yeah, but I think I he ultimately loses. Uh, it says the show had really good pacing tonight, and gives us a seven out of ten. We go to Charles in Louisiana who says, I found Vic Joseph and Michael Cole to be really jarring on commentary. I didn't know who to follow as the lead play-by-play commentator. Did you guys feel the same way? Um, well, I will say like they have very similar tone, like sounds. They sound the same. Like they, they, it was hard for me to tell which was which at some point, but I don't, I also didn't think about it too much. You know, in the end, like it's somebody calling the action and somebody was at all times. So didn't really bother me. And I, I think. John actually really enjoyed it. Also, on a small note, but I appreciated seeing Lawler at least try to escape from the Fiend. He wasn't some dumbfounded babyface who was frozen in place by the sight and sound of the Fiend's entrance. Lawler realized what was happening and actually made an honest effort to avoid being attacked. This not only made Lawler look smart, but it also made the Fiend look even smarter. Try try as they might to escape, the Fiend, like Thanos, is inevitable. All right, we go to Jalen from Pickering. Really good Raw for the first half, but like always, three hours is too long. I dug the majority of the promos being short and backstage, and that the show started with a match. I don't know what Braun did to deserve either of his title matches tonight or why Seth would want to team with him instead of recovering from his injury, but they got to beat up guys who ran away from 50-year-olds, so good for them. We go to Paul from New Jersey who says, This was one of the better episodes of Raw this year. If you were to ask me what I would want to see in a three-hour episode of Raw, it would be logical storyline progression, solid in-ring performances, toss in some comedy with the 24-7 title, and even a little horror with The Fiend attacking Jerry Lawler. There was a lot of variety on this show. Only complaints. Fire and desire stink, and I'm well aware Jim Neidhart is Natty's father and that he is deceased. Enough of it already. I did also chuckle out loud when Michael Cole said, and I quote, Winning the King of the Ring tournament will skyrocket your career. For the most part. I guess halfway through that sentence, Cole remembered King Assman and Mabel. Still a very fine show. Andrew from Cape Breton. I really enjoyed Raw tonight. I like Corey Graves on commentary, but now that I've heard three generic babyface announcers, it's sounded a lot better without the constant bickering. Vic Joseph was a breath of fresh air tonight. I don't think Corey's bad, but he would definitely do better on a commentary team with only one other person. The show seemed really well put together. They put over the King of the Ring tournament and made it out like it was the most important tournament ever. They did the typical WWE thing where they beat me over the head with it, but it wasn't too bad. The highlight of the night was the Becky Lynch promo. It's now a toss-up between her and Joe as the best promos on Raw, but she made this Sasha Banks angle a main event program, and he gives us a 7 out of 10. 
Brandon from Oshawa. One of the better episodes of Raw in a long time, but they just couldn't finish strong. I was dreading the ending and they couldn't resist the same old tired booking that they always do when they can't think of anything else between two baby faces. With The Fiend constantly attacking Legends, you gotta think he'll have a similar spot on the first Smackdown on Fox. Who do you guys think he should attack? It should probably be, be Sting, right? If he can be cleared. Okay, Alexander from Portland. Well, do you think it should be Sting? Um, that is behind the attack? No, that gets attacked. You could do that. I'm sure they'd be... Yeah, you could. What do you think? Yeah, it could be anybody. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to bring in... When they have a legend, I think Bray is kind of the guy they're going to feed to him at the at this point mm-hmm. and that's something that you can get away you can get away with doing the the shock of hey we didn't think these guys could do anything physical and turns out that they could Alexander from Portland one of my favorite tropes in pro wrestling is when two superstars join forces and become tag champions however more often than not their title reign is short lived because of a feud between the two while I don't expect to see Braun and Rollins be champions a month from now for the time being it's nice this also brings to attention the fact that for as much as he's been pushed Braun has only held two titles in his tenure in WWE, and they've both been tag titles. Yeah, we had Nicholas and now Seth Rollins. Yes. And, I mean, Seth kind of looks like a grown-up Nicholas. Mm, a little bit. Okay, maybe. Seeing the revival in Orton Clash with the New Day slightly makes me want WWE to have their version of six-man tag titles. No, please. Uh, we, we don't. Why is the revival wearing snakeskin boots not an affront to a guy called the Viper? All right. And he gives us a 5 out of 10. We'll go to Noah from Vaughn who says, I really enjoyed the show. 8 out of 10 for me. The first hour in particular was awesome. Kicking the show off with a lengthy match with Dolph and Roman was a great idea. Great start to the King of the Ring tournament. The highlight of the show for me was Sasha, Sasha Banks. It was great how she didn't give away her reasoning for the attack last week, as well as a very short promo segment. It was the complete opposite for Becky, who had a longer promo tonight. And if you recall... If you recall last year after SummerSlam, she immediately gave her reason for her turn. So just great stuff. All right. Ken Ken, who was at the show tonight. Okay, I'm not going to read all of this. This is a lot. Uh, It was strange seeing a lot of the hard camera section being tarped off tonight. Has that been normal? Yes. Huge Roman Reigns crowd for the opener tonight. I'm not all that surprised since Reigns played preseason for the Vikings. We tend to gravitate to people we associate to Minnesota. Although, interesting enough, a younger child behind me was yelling, I don't get it, after a Reigns kick out from Ziggler's finisher. The crowd lost it when The Fiend came out. Is he just going to randomly attack someone every Monday? I'm okay with it for the time being. Ricochet is a treat to watch live. He goes on to say, I don't know how I feel about the OC faction. However, a heel AJ is always great. Strowman straight up swatting AJ was awesome. Rollins backwards cap is not. I'm surprised with the DQ, but it seems to set up, okay, a tag title match, yes. And adds on, good match between Joe and Cesaro, and gives the show a six and a half out of ten. Uh, Chris from Chris Thunder from Down Under has some questions regarding NXT to the USA Network. Will NXT have a forced twenty-eight day WWE Network blackout like Raw and SmackDown and Main Event currently do? I I don't know at this point. Yeah, he asks about uh, number of network subscribers dropping if NXT were to leave the network. I don't think it would be a drastic drop if it did. I think that this is. No, I don't it, think so either. Yeah, it's. Um, How do you think it'll affect takeovers? Uh, I imagine takeovers being the the same on the network. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I don't see takeovers changing. Takeovers to me are the. I mean, NXT to a certain extent is a draw, but I don't think people are going to get rid of the network if 
I, as long as takeovers are there. If you're an NXT fan, yeah, I don't think it's the the shows themselves that are going to yeah you know some some might some you still have NXT UK like it's to me it's more about perception like of, of the value that I'm getting and they're still providing value. All right, uh, let's finish off with Brandon here. Okay, Brandon from Etobicoke. Hello, guys. What a show! Why are people so mad at? Is this this is just Brandon from New Jersey who's saying he's from Etobicoke? Yes. Gotcha. All right. Okay, are we done? I think so. All right. Yes. As I'm all right, thanks. Over all thanks, things. everybody. We appreciate it's a it. Great show. All right. We're going to be back on Tuesday following SmackDown. Yep. I'll be here in the flesh again. Yes. Uh, I look forward to it. Uh, Wayne and I will be here live chatting about SmackDown, whatever is going on on Tuesday. And that's it. Thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll be back. Check out postwrestling.com for all your latest. <laughs>